for listening to the Dearest Stula podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Sines, and this is Season 2, Episode 5. Welcome, dearest Stula community. I am really excited to introduce you to today's guest. She's a Kappa-trained labor doula and childbirth educator, as well as a hypnobaby's hypnodoula, and is also the owner of Birth Be Blessed Birth Services, currently serving clients in the Denver metro area. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Miss Jessica Potter. How are you today, Jessica? I am doing great. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm so glad to have you on. And I already gave our listeners just a really brief overview, but why don't you take a minute to tell us a little more about yourself? Okay. Um, Well, um, like you said, I am currently uh, kind of wearing two different hats. I serve as a labor doula in the Denver area and um, also am a childbirth educator in uh, in a hospital setting. And I that's kind of the most recent addition to my job that I added at the beginning of this year. And so I feel like I'm really starting to grow in that area. Um, It's been a really good challenge. Um, But yeah, so I kind of flip um, between both of those. And um, when I'm not doing that, I'm also a mother of three. Um, I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a four-year-old. So they keep me busy. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing that bit about yourself. Now, before we dive into um, your origin story and all of those exciting moments that you've experienced as a birth worker, I'd really like to challenge you to get down to the short and sweet of what you do. Now, this is something we ask every guest on the show just because I know as a new doula, I struggled a lot trying to figure out how I explain what a doula does to people that have never heard of that before. So Jessica, let's say you're meeting someone for the first time. How would you explain what it is that you do in around 10 seconds or less? All right. Well, normally um, when I get asked, luckily this, you know, anymore, at least in the Colorado area, the word doula is becoming a lot more familiar, which makes my job a lot more easy when it comes time to explain it. Um, But I just normally say that I am um, a person that comes alongside an expecting couple and helps them through, um, you know, planning throughout their pregnancy for their birth and then accompanies them during labor to help just give them different choices, um, support, you know, kind of help them find their voice in the birth setting mm-hmm. and then help them get started on the best foot possible postpartum with caring for a new baby and caring for themselves at the same time. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for that one. Sure. (laughs) So what I'd like to do next is really dive into your origin story. And this is something that has always interested me and really inspired me when I first became a doula was hearing how others became inspired to go into this line of work. So if you wouldn't mind sharing that story of how you became inspired to do what you do, but also touching on what you were doing prior to becoming a birth work, a birth worker. And then if anything in particular was holding you back, I know you mentioned you have three little ones at home and I'm not sure if you'd gotten into birth work before or after them, but any special accommodations you had to make in your life to help make this possible, I think we'd also love to learn too. Sure. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of people in this line of work, um, I got started in the birth profession with the birth of my first, um, before that I had been working as kind of a project manager for a local nonprofit here in Denver and really loved that setting. Um, I like the business kind of arena side of things. Um, but I knew that when we 
were going to have kids that I wanted to be a stay at home mom Mm -hmm. for the most part. And I didn't know what that entailed (laughs) or what that looked like, but I knew that I wanted, if I was going to work, I wanted to work from home. So, um, when I became pregnant, um, I did that and, For the birth of my daughter, um, at the time we had chosen to go with a, um, out like a freestanding birth center here in the Denver area. Um, at that time it was the only one in Colorado. And, um, our main reason for doing that at the time was not, you know, had nothing to do with like birth choices or, um, you know, having a more natural birth or anything like that. It really stemmed from the fact that I was just afraid of hospitals. I hated hospitals and I was the type that even going in to visit someone else, I would start to get all clammy and lightheaded and stuff. So I knew that, you know, when it came time to have this baby, that the hospital was probably not the best setting for me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went into all of it without knowing, you know, even through the whole process, um, not knowing about all of the different options and the struggles that are out there sometimes with moms, you know, in the medical, you know, kind of going the more medical route and stuff. Okay. I was pretty naive, um, I would say. Um, and luckily, I just had an awesome midwife and um I was able to have just a really great labor. Um, but at the end of that labor, um, I was like nine centimeters and had to end up transferring over to the hospital down the street, um, because of just a ton of meconium. Um, it was just a little bit more than would, you know, might be safe in a birth center setting. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up transferring. Um, and the beauty of all of that was that, um, the birth center at the time was small enough and there were no one, no other moms in labor at the time that, um, our midwife was then able to accompany us to the hospital and kind of walking through those doors. She switched hats and became my doula. And I had no idea there was even that sort of role that that even existed. Um, it wasn't until after my labor, luckily we, you know, had a really great delivery. Everything went according to plan, you know, as much as possible, um, despite the setting. And then really looking back on that situation, it was just feeling that support that we got, um, from her and that just constant person, you know, even though she wasn't working in the capacity of my care provider anymore. Um, it was just so valuable. And so it was really after the birth that I learned, um, about the role of a doula and what they do and was like, Oh, that's what she was for me then. And it was just such a powerful feeling. Like I just remember parts of my labor so vividly of how I felt so supported And then after the whole thing, you know, going into the birth, like I never came at it from the situation of like, this is going to be an empowering experience or whatever, you know, I just wanted to get through it. And I got so much more out of it, um, in the end than I ever imagined I would. And, you know, I feel like a lot of that was due to the support I got. So, as I became a stay-at-home mom and, you know, was starting to raise this new baby, I started really looking into, you know, what it takes to become a doula. And um, it was during my second pregnancy that I actually started in on my certification um, since, you know, I had this kind of somewhat free time available to <laughs> devote to reading and stuff and everything. Um, it really fit in well and was able to complete my certification back in 2010. 
So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So if you wouldn't mind just following up a bit more on that. So you mentioned that you started your certification after the birth or during the pregnancy of your second your second baby, yes. is that right? So uh-huh. actually getting into birth work, you have these two little ones or you're about to have these two little ones at home. How did that work for you and your, your partner? Was there anything in particular that you had to do to make that a reality? Yeah, it was a little bit tricky. Um, at first, I um, definitely started out really slow. Um, my first birth that I attended actually was one of my uh, good friends, mm-hmm. and um, I was still pregnant at the time with my second, so that was a really tricky uh, thing to do. And then, of course, I took off for postpartum just to kind of give me time to catch up with that. Um, and at first I just started out really slow. Um, it did take a little bit of footwork to do. Um, luckily my husband's job, um, has been one that allows him to come home and work from home when he needs to, um, at different times. And I also had a really good kind of network of friends that were able to take, you know, one of my kids kind of last minute if I needed to. Um, and so, um, that worked out really well, especially since I was just doing, you know, maybe like one birth every couple months. Um, and I just started out really slowly and really used that time, I guess, just to, you know, like soak in as many workshops as I could. And, you know, I just knew like, this is my time to do that. And then I can hit the ground running a little bit more later on. Um, and then now, um, now I have three kids. And so, um, you know, for those postpartum times, I definitely gave my t- myself time to take those rests. Um, but then now as they're getting older and are in preschool and elementary school, have been able to kind of expand and take on more. Um, and that's been a lot of fun. And luckily, my husband's job has worked out <laughs> with that somewhat, you know, when needed. Um, and just a really great network of friends awesome. um, that are available to me. So yeah, without those two things, yeah, what I do would not be possible. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> very okay. fortunate. Cool. Well, yeah, thank you for giving us just that extra little insight. And I think that's just something that um, is really going to help our listeners. Everybody has a different story and a different journey. And we love and respect that here on the show. But getting to hear how it worked for other people and what their timeline looks like, I'm hoping is going to give some of our listeners Um, Well, that hope too, to let them know that however it's going to work out for them, it will. And some people are able to return to birth work or jump in with both feet while others kind of have to go about it in a more roundabout or slower way. And um, just hearing how other people made it work, I think is going to inspire them to keep moving forward and just figure out what works for them. So thank you so much for that one. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So what I'd like to do next is focus in on a time where you've really struggled as a birth worker. And the reason that I like to ask this question is because I think for a lot of those newer and interested doulas, every the big focus is on how, um, the beautiful side of birth work, right? That it's all sunshine and daisies. But the thing is, it's not like that all the time. And we do have these moments where we're struggling either in our capacity to be a caregiver or maybe it's even just managing the business side of things. So whatever that struggle was for you, Jessica, I'd really appreciate it and be feel honored if you could share that with us and then also touch on how you were able to overcome it. Sure. Well, um, you know, looking back, I think one of the first things that I wish I had had a little bit more available to me when I first started out was just that whole idea of having a mentor. 
um, that I could shadow at births and stuff. Um, the, when I completed my certification, like I said, I just kind of jumped in and luckily, you know, my first, um, birth was, you know, with a friend and everything. And so they were very gracious and, you know, didn't have the bar set really, really high, um, to where I was too nervous or anything. Um, but that was a little bit scary. And looking back, I just feel like, you know, I've had a lot of other doula friends that have come into this, you know, with the mentorship and I just see so much value in that. Mm -hmm. And so I think at the first, you know, it was really hard for me to really have that confidence in myself. And I would be asking myself like, what am I doing here? You know, I, (laughs) I, I've, I've been to one birth now, you know, like how am I going to support these people? And, you know, it took a lot of nerves, like even just for interviews and stuff. Um, you know, I kind of, I think I second guessed myself. Um, but then kind of as I came into my own and felt more comfortable in that role, um, I think it kind of transitioned into, you know, I had a a bunch of really great positive birth experiences, you know, where I felt like moms were really feeling empowered through the process and, you know, we're doing really well. Um, And then I kind of came upon just a few births in a row where, you know, I would show up and um, all of a sudden, like all of the things that we had talked about during prenatals that we had, you know, that they had expressed that they wanted in their birth plan to start out all of a sudden they were just like tossing out the window Mm. (laughs) without even a fight, you know, like, Nope, I want to do this. And in my mind, you know, it kind of looked like, Oh, they're giving up. Um, and then I then translated that into, I am not supporting them enough. You know, like they don't feel like they can lean on me in the right way and Mm. stuff. Um, and that was really hard. Um, I know as birth workers, you know, we're taught not to, um, measure our success or how good we are, you know, based upon birth outcomes, because we're not their savior. (laughs) You're, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not there to save them from choices. And I think with that one, overcoming that just took a little bit more time, um, and attending more births. And then I think over time, I just came to realize that, you know, you're going to have clients, um, throughout that you're going to have some that, you know, make choices for themselves and they're very determined about them. And when it comes time, you know, they're going to hold strongly to them. And then there's others that, you know, maybe during the whole um, prenatals and when you're going over stuff, you know, they're going to be a little bit more on the, um, I guess, you know, saying that they want different things, but everyone has a different, you know, they fall at a different place on the spectrum as far as how important those things are to them. And, and that's completely okay. Um, I think over as time has gone on, like I've just seen how epidurals and different medical interventions can be really awesome tools as well. And that, you know, the important thing is that if they feel good with their decisions and they, you know, felt like that they at least had a support person there and a sounding board that they could ask if they wanted, um, then that was sufficient, you know, that I was there for them and everything and I hadn't failed them, but it took a while to kind of get through that. Like, you know, am I doing something wrong or, (laughs) you know, um, but yeah, I just think everyone's different as they approach birth and they come in expecting different things. And it's sometimes hard to weed all that out and discover all of that during prenatals. Um, but that's another thing I've done too, is I've tried to make my prenatal 
um, meetings with clients a lot more in depth and really try to ask more heart questions instead of just like the list of birth options, you know, and really get down to what, when they close their eyes and they imagine this birth, like, what do they see? What, um, you know, what is the thing that they hold the closest? And so, um, that really kind of helps prepare me as well. And, um, it has made my job a lot easier. (laughs) I process births a lot easier, I think, because of that. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. And you you hit upon two sort of classic struggles that not only do we hear a lot on the show, but are just so true to being new in any field, but especially here in birth work. And that is the first one without having that mentor and being new and not having the comfort and security of all those experiences behind you. It is that imposter syndrome that we struggle with and worrying that you're not enough or you don't know enough and you're not serving to the fullest capability that that client deserves. And, and that is, that's especially hard um, when you don't have a mentor. And I think for people that don't, like I I also didn't have a mentor when I started, but falling slightly short of that, I did make sure to reach out and have a community of peers that I could go to as well. So um, I think that also did wonders for me. And I was going to follow up and see if that's something that you've also maybe incorporated into part of your your processing with your births and just your livelihood as a doula, if that's a, a big part of your life or not. Um, but then also that second struggle that you said was separating our ego from those outcomes, right? It is so hard when we do come away from those births where we see that the parents struggle or we feel worried that perhaps they gave in or they settled, um, trying to separate, you know, whether or not we did our job or, or our feelings of, yeah, just being a successful in our career or not from, from what they experienced can also be really hard. Um, but like you said, focusing on, what their viewpoint of the experience was, and then preemptively making sure that we are asking those heart questions and that they're not simply filling out that checklist because they know it's kind of what sounds good on the surface and what they kind of think we want to hear and really getting down to what drives them in this birth and what is that experience that they want to have. I think are just great pointers and great ideas. So I'm so glad that you shared that with us. Sure. Yeah. And I'd like to say that it goes away over time, but I mean, I'm eight years in and sometimes that imposter syndrome still, you know, creeps up. And so it's just reminding ourselves that, nope, I am enough and I'm here and I'm trained and I'm equipped and, you know, um, and I'm just here. I'm holding this space for them. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Well, sure. The next segment is our movie moment segment. Now this is just that beautiful fun flip side of that where we have you take us to a moment as a birth worker where you just thought to yourself this this is why I do what I do I was meant to be right here right now whatever that looked like for you we'd love to hear it sure um well this one was a little bit tough for me because um you know looking back over the births I feel like I have so many of those times where I'm just you know either whether it's being awed by you know, the work, the amazing work that a mom is doing, or, um, I've been in different births where it's just, you're part of this team and there's like this awesome synergy that's happening between the mom and the partner and the care provider, you know, and myself and all of these things. Um, but I would have to say that, um, my movie moments typically come after the birth, um, 
a lot of times I think during the birth, I'm caught in the moment and, you know, just doing what needs to be done and that sort of thing. And then it's afterwards that a lot of times, um, and a lot of times it's when, you know, maybe it might be during the postpartum visit or anything, you know, or something like that. And I just get an unexpected comment from, you know, one of the clients that I've served, um, that just really hits home to me. And it's one of those things that just fills your cup and you can run on for days. And, um, that's happened, you know, quite a few times. Um, probably the first time that I can remember that happening was a mom that was giving birth in a birth center. And she was just one of those incredibly strong moms. And, um, I loved her birth because every, at, during every contraction, she would sing a refrain from a Dixie oh, Chicks song, <laughs> and that was her rhythm and ritual. And yeah. um, and afterwards, one of the comments that she gave me was that, um, you know, when things really got tough for her, you know, um, she was able to just look up in my eyes and. I didn't have to say anything. And she knew, you know, she kind of got that assurance that, yep, this is good. This is normal. I'm doing fine. And then she would go right back into it. And it it's things like that, that sometimes um, in the moment when you're, you know, serving someone and you're helping out in that situation that you don't, you know, you, it just all seems normal to you. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and you don't realize that really powerful impact until later. And so that's one of the ones that kind of sticks out to me. And, um, and then there's been other times where, you know, a while back I had set up an account on one of those doula websites, um, where you can, you know, list your bio and your profile and have reviews and stuff. Um, I believe it was like doula match, um, dot com. And, um, I, had, I guess when I had sent, set it up, I had sent out an email to, you know, a bunch of past clients to send in reviews, but I had gone like six months and had never gone back in there <laughs> to update my profile or anything. Um, and then, so I was like, Oh, I should probably go on and do that. And when I did, I found like all of these reviews that I had no idea had come in in the meantime. And it just, I was just so touched by some of the comments and, um, you know, just hearing about that support that those are kind of like the movie moments for me where I'm like, yes, like this is my niche. This is, you know, I am supposed to be doing this. I'm called to do this. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of my movie movie moments. They come afterwards. (laughs) Very cool. Thanks for that. Well, sure. um, what I'd like to do next is move into our nitty gritty. And this is where we just get to know how you work on a deeper level. So Jessica, what would you say is your biggest strength as a birth worker? So I would say my biggest strength um, tends to be um, kind of like with that last story. Um, I have a capacity to have really strong empathy for moms because I feel like I kind of go back into a a little bit into like how I experienced birth. And I remember like, Oh, I remember those powerful contractions and Oh, I remember, you know, this point. And I feel like that sometimes helps me connect a little bit better with where they're at. Um, and just, um, you know, I've been told that kind of my, um, MO is just to be there as this quiet, steadfast, person that they can lean on and look to. I don't tend to be really like 
one of those that wants to rush in and do something. I'm kind of a sit back and let's see what this needs type person. Um, and so sometimes I think that's a really good thing. Um, you know, if they're looking for that really, you know, just strong, quiet reassurance, um, that's me, (laughs) you know, that's kind of how I operate. Um, so I think, you know, that, and I just, I feel comfortable not having to rush in and do something. And I know that's something a lot of doulas have a hard time. Like we want to go in and fix something. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that's come easy to me. Like I don't mind sitting back and being quiet and just holding a hand, um, you know, and not pulling out tools. Um, that's something I'm pretty comfortable with, you know, and use them if you need them, definitely. But otherwise, just being there, being present. Awesome. And alternatively, what would you say is your biggest weakness as a birth worker? Yeah. Um, so the biggest weakness is kind of the opposite of that, is that sometimes I feel like um, with certain labors and moms, you know, there's always those times when we're called on to be a little bit more, I don't know if assertive is the right word but we're called on to be a little bit more directive where, you know, we know that, you know, maybe it's getting this mom into this other position would really help things to progress. And, you know, sometimes I tend to be like, well, let's, you know, let's try this or would you like to do this? And if they're like, no, I don't want to, then I'm like, okay, (laughs) you know, (laughs) where sometimes I feel like as a doula, you know, that is part of our job to help, you know, open their eyes up to, you know, how different things can help and can help their labor progress. And, um, so it's been a little bit of a journey for me to like really find that voice and feel, you know, like, no, let's, you know, let's try this. And of course I'm not ever going to be a drill sergeant and force any mom into anything that they don't want to do. Um, but you know, it it kind of comes back to that confidence thing of just, Mm -hmm having confidence in your training and just knowledge about birth and that it's okay to, you know, you know, make suggestions and, you know, kind of give your reasoning and really incorporate the partner to get on board with that helps a lot. I think, um, when it comes time to, you know, encouraging her to do whatever, um, and that has helped a lot, but it's definitely still a struggle. Cause like I said, I tend to be, you know, kind of that quiet, person in the room, um, that's, you know, giving counter pressure or holding a hand or doing the washcloth, you know, more than, you know, we need to do this right right now. Yeah. That's such an excellent weakness. I mean, I'm, I'm just so glad you brought that one up. We haven't heard it on the show before, but I immediately resonated with that once you said it, especially thinking back on like the first birth experience I had with somebody. I, I just remember this constant volleying back in my brain, like, okay, should I, should I really, you know, try and get her to do this? But she's saying no, and I don't want to be pushy. I want to be a Bila. I don't want to be a doula, but I think it would help her. <laughs> right. And I mean, you have this whole inner dialogue that I, I do struggle with because like you said, I'm, I'm also not really a very directive person, um, especially when you can tell that they're experiencing discomfort, you know, and it's like, no, it's just, just let them be okay. But at the same time, you feel like you have to do something. So I I can, I can definitely (laughs) (laughs) identify with that. And I bet there's a lot of listeners shaking their head with this too. So, um, so yeah, thanks for for highlighting that one because I just think that's excellent and you're not alone in in that weakness too. So, (laughs) right. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, okay. So what is one thing that has you inspired right now? I think, you know, um, I just, 
when it comes to birth, I mean, we're all inspired by kind of the basics, you know, just seeing women at their most vulnerable, but also oftentimes their most powerful moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, just living in kind of the Denver metro area, I feel like we have just such a really great community of birth workers here. Um, And I feel like um, the whole birth culture here is very positive. And that kind of gets me inspired that, you know, when I started out as a doula eight years ago, it was a little bit different where, you know, you could walk down the street and people didn't know what a doula was. Mm -hmm. And you could, you know, you had that I had a lot of, you know, comments of, well, why would, you know, why is there even value in that type of person when you have a doctor or a midwife and that sort of thing? And it's really changed over the last eight years. Um, I mean, we went from in this area having one freestanding birth center to a couple um, that are now spread out. And a lot of the hospitals have changed policies um, due to the influence of both midwifery care um, within the hospital setting, but also, you know, doulas coming in um, and really good, like professional, um, you know, certified doulas, I feel like kind of gave that professionalism to that role to where it was, you know, really causing change within the hospital setting and a little bit more positive attitude towards the role of doulas and birth. Um, and that's kind of what has inspired me now is I love birth center births and I love attending those, but I really feel called that, you know, it's the moms that are in this medical setting still, um, that we have this really great, powerful influence to help change things for the better. Um, and we don't have to be, you know, we don't even have to be really loud, pushy activists and, you know, that sort of thing that just by, you know, doing what we do in the best way that we can and trying to come at it from a collaborative standpoint with medical people, you know, OBs, midwives, nurses, kind of the whole gamut. Um, you know, we have that power to make that change. Um, and I think that's, you know, something that's kind of spreading throughout all areas of the country, you know, in different stages. Um, and that kind of, that's what keeps me inspired both as a doula and then also just as a childbirth educator. Um, you know, I'm huge on options and choices. Um, for me, it doesn't really come down to, you know, whether a mom wants to birth naturally or not, or, you know, what her, actual choices are, but just that they know that they have them and that couples, you know, are, feel that freedom to explore them and then, you know, hopefully have access to those choices. Oh, that was so well said. Thank you for that. Sure. So, um, moving on, what is one personal habit that you feel keeps you on your A game? All right. This one's a little bit harder because I'm I'm not a really well-disciplined person when it comes to, you know, having that one thing. Um, But I think it's just um, carving out me time. Um, And I think this is true, you know, whether you're in the birth profession or not, um, but just having that time that, you know, it's okay for me to leave uh, big parts of my calendar open and not take on births. you know, I, I think we always 
you know, sometimes fall into that, well, I need to be working. I can't be like just sitting here, not doing anything, especially now that my kids are older and starting school and everything, you know, like just sitting around Mm -hmm. doesn't sound very good, but really using that time to refuel and everything. Um, and that in turn does help, you know, strengthen my work. So, um, just taking time to do walks, um, are really powerful for me. Um, I love to read. So just reading is, you know, a really good cathartic thing for me to be able to rely on and, uh, recharge. Um, so I think, I would think, you know, those two things. And, um, another thing that I've tried to remember to do too, is every time when I am called into a birth before I walk through those doors is just to kind of stop and give myself a moment to like, you know, ask for, you know, um, just for me to be the hands and the feet that they need, um, in this situation and that I could be the best support possible, um, within my capacity for them. And I just kind of take that moment to kind of, you know, ask for that and then go in and go for it, (laughs) you know? So, um, that kind of helps me too. So I'm not just rushing in. It kind of gives me that moment to prepare. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, what is one internet resource that you would swear by? Well, um, so there's, I kind of have two listed. So I picked one that I really love coming from a more of a doula perspective. And I know it's on here all the time, um, which is Kelly mom. Um, and I love that one for new moms just because I know that when I was a new mom, you know, and I was getting into kind of putting those guilt trips on me for, you know, getting up and breastfeeding rather than letting them cry it out or, you know, doing whatever. I remember those times at 3 a.m. when I would get on to Kelly mom and just look up and be like, nope, you can't spoil your baby. (laughs) You know, like, nope, this, they need this at this point. And it was just like a, it just lifted that burden off. And I would be like, okay, (laughs) like I'm good then, you know, and it just helped even out the other voices that tried to creep in. Um, and then from, um, an educator perspective, I always encourage my, um, my students and everything to go out and really, you know, look up articles and do their research. And, um, again, evidence-based birth is just an awesome place to go. I think it's very user-friendly for expecting couples and I still use it as an educator and as a doula on a regular basis. And so, um, I often recommend that one as well. (laughs) So I know they're very popular (laughs) on the show as far as good resources to use. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Um, what is one book that you would recommend to the dearest doula community and why? So with this one, I kind of went a little bit different direction because I know we have a lot of great resources that are given on here, you know, as far as like um, ones that can be used for doulas and that sort of thing. So um, I kind of came at this one from a more from the fictional side. Um, And so, like I said, I love to read. And um, if I can read a really good book that involves both history and like midwifery in it, then I'm set. So, um, two books that I've really, um, enjoyed actually one of them I have not read yet. It's a fairly new book. Um, there's a local author in the Denver area, Sandra Dallas, and she recently wrote a book, the last midwife. Um, and it's about a midwife that's lives in a Colorado mining town, um, and some of the struggles that she faces as a midwife, um, and having to, you know, when tough things happen, basically. Um, and another one is The Birth House 
by Amy McKay. Um, and it's just a really good historical read as well. Um, both kind of having to do with, you know, midwifery and how kind of the journey of a woman and how she comes into that being and, um, has this really great mentor and how sometimes as birth workers, we have to kind of, we feel like we're swimming upstream. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, you know, it makes us stronger. And so those would be two books that I would highly recommend. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for those. I'm really excited to look into them. Sure. They are something just a little different. Sometimes you do need that break, but it's also going to be exciting that it is still involved with birth work. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, now, what is one item other than yourself that you would consider your must have as a doula? Let's see. Um, I would say probably my aromatherapy kit. Um, that I bring to births. Um, I like aromatherapy just because it is a little bit versatile um, and most moms tend to be pretty receptive to it. And so, you know, it's something that I can get out that can help either, you know, whether it's putting it in a bath or using it um, as a way to massage their feet, you know, both for relaxation, um, to help energize them, you know, I, I just like to bring those out whenever I can. Um, you know, if they're, if they're the type of person, of course, you know, that likes scents and stuff, cause that does, sometimes in labor that does not, you know, work out well. Right. Um, but I, you know, I've used them even like in situations where if I have a mom that is going back for a C-section where, um, I'll either, if I'm allowed in, I kind of bring, you know, a little lavender, with me or peppermint, um, for myself or the partner, um, sometimes even cause you know, like operating rooms just have different smells and oh, yeah. that sort of thing and can kind of be a little bit nerve wracking. And so, you know, even just using them, um, to help calm nerves and stuff like that. Um, I bring that with me. Um, so yeah, I love aromatherapy. <laughs> so oh. that's kind of <laughs> my go-to. Yep. So for um, for the OR, you mentioned that you might take lavender or peppermint. Do you have any just mm -hmm. real standbys that you find yourself reaching for more often than others um, just during perhaps a, a more, I don't want to say normal labor, but yeah, your typical labor experience with the mom? Yeah, um, I really like, um, I like mandarin. Um, it's one of the citruses that um, also has a calming, relaxing effect more than like an energizing you know, peppy effect like, um, other citruses. Um, and I like that just because not all moms love lavender mm -hmm. and it kind of gives a freshness to the room. Um, and then I use clary sage a lot as well. Um, especially like with foot massages and in, in situations where, you know, maybe those contractions are spacing out and stuff and they could get a little bit closer. Um, and it's really good for the pushing stage too, because it helps loosen the perineum um, and all of that and helps moms open for that, you know, big pushing effort. Um, right. so those are kind of my standard go-to ones. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Sure. Now, uh, now we're up to the $300 question. I hope you're ready. Let's say, <laughs> <laughs> let's say you woke up tomorrow in a completely new town, your food and shelter are taken care of, and you have $300. What steps would you take in the next 10 days to build your business? Um, well, probably first I would definitely get a really good website going, um, you know, using whatever tools are out there to at least kind of have a landing place where people can go. Cause I feel like 
a lot of times, even when we're handed a name of someone or, you know, someone refers someone to us, you know, at least one of my first tendencies is to go and try to find their website. Right. And so um, I definitely would try to have that up and running. Um, And then I would probably make um, some different info cards, you know, not necessarily just business cards, but kind of small, um, not a full brochure, but just like a nice card that kind of details my services in a nutshell, you know, kind of gives people a glimpse of me and would hand those out like crazy. Um, And then um, I would definitely look up any local uh, doula groups, um, like here in the Denver metro area and over all of Colorado, we have the Colorado Doulas Association, and a lot of different states have very similar things or, you know, different metro areas. Um, and it's a really good resource just because it can help get your name out there, and it puts you in contact with this network of birth workers. Um, and I know, like, ours does really awesome trainings and workshops and stuff, which I think just helps in your job, but also helps you know, just get you in contact with other doulas. I, you know, meet so many other people just through little things like that. Um, And then I would probably try to travel around and go, I know there's um, in a lot of areas, there's, you know, little uh, pregnancy boutiques and baby stores that um, sometimes have extra space and, you know, they might be up for, you know, holding a workshop there that you could offer, your, you know, that I could offer my services for free, you know, as far as doing a quick workshop on, you know, how to come up with a birth plan or, mm-hmm. you know, different things like that. Um, you know, it could be anything from depending on, you know, what, you know, it could be on aromatherapy and birth or, you know, kind of a handful of things and really just try to cater and, you know, it makes a connection with that business. Um, but then also we'll hopefully have moms coming in that will kind of get exposure to your service as well. So yeah, I think that's kind of what I would do to, um, get started and then go on from there. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for that. And, um, lastly, do you have a quote that inspires you that you could share with us? Yeah. Um, I actually have two, um, these two quotes are ones that, um, oftentimes at the end of my childbirth classes, um, that I teach through the hospital, I kind of have this little montage that I play them of videos and quotes and stuff like that, that is just meant to kind of be like, you got this, you know, Mm -hmm. this empowering thing. Um, and two of my favorite quotes, um, that I have listed in that, Um, one is, um, kind of from someone anonymous, um, an unknown, um, is you are pregnant and you are powerful. You are bold and you are beautiful. Go forward in your boldness, in your beauty and in your contentedness, trust your body to birth and know that the collective power of women will be with you. Um, and then another one is just a really short and sweet one, um, from, um, I believe I got this one off of the hypnobirthingutah.com uh, website. Um, and it's, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. Um, and I just love that. Just, you know, we do what we have to do during birth um, and we learn to surf. So, 
Awesome. Well, those were great. Thank you for that. And now, sure. Jessica, the Dearest Doula community truly believes that what you do matters. So we'd love to close up today's episode with you sharing a parting piece of guidance to our listeners, a little more about your business and the best way we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. Um, so I guess as far as advice, um, you know, what has served me the best, I think, in the areas that I've struggled in as a birth worker is just really coming up with that really close, tight-knit group of doulas um, or other birth workers that you can go to. Um, you know, whether it's um, you have a group, you know, that you help back each other up for births, which I think is really important because um, my backups have saved my life sometimes. Um, and just um, you know, having that network that you can bounce ideas off of, um, you can process rough births with, um, you can call on for, you know, either backup childcare or backing you up for a birth. All of those things I think have just made this, um, make this job so much more enriching. And so that's kind of my biggest piece of advice, you know, don't go all solo out there and just be an island, you know, kind of make your networks. Um, and then as far as my business, um, so um, I fall under Birth Be Blessed uh, doula services um, or Birth Be Blessed birth services. And um, I work out of the Denver metro area. So just birthbeblessed.com is how people can find my website. And then from there, I have um, just my personal phone number um, and, you know, different ways to contact me. And I am also on Facebook, just under Birth Be Blessed. Um, so yeah, both of those ways are the best way to kind of contact me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we'll be sure to provide links to all the ways to connect with you and everything of value that you mentioned on today's show. And our listeners can find that in your show notes page by going to dearestdoula.com, clicking on the podcast button and searching for this episode, or by simply typing Jessica Potter in the search bar and we'll have this episode's page pop right up. So again, thank you so much, Jessica, for coming on, sharing all of your insights, your tips and your tricks with the Dearest Doula community. Thanks to you. We are now all one step closer to being connected, educated, and empowered. And we hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too.